as a word. It's a great song. Do we believe it? Will we take Jesus at his word? He who is the way, the truth, and the life? I hope so. That's my prayer for us today. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. As we do, I want to share a couple of requests uh, with you because they're personal. Uh, Many of you know one of our elders, Dr. Edmund Chung. Uh, His wife has been struggling physically for quite some time, and she's currently in surgery having a a tube put in to help her with breathing. So do pray not only for her, but for her husband and her family. These are scary times. They're never easy. Also, uh, flu season has full-on hit Hong Kong. I know many of you have recovered or are in the midst and throes of it, or the black plague of death has hit your family. Uh, So do pray for strength uh, and also for wisdom to stay home if you need to. And just for selfish reasons, if you're sick, don't talk to me today, please. I've had it twice. That's enough. No, that's not true. I would love to talk with you and pray with you if I could. But much deeper, we know we serve a great physician. He heals in his perfect way and in his perfect time. More than that, I want us to spend some time this morning praying that God would transform us from the inside out. We're going to look at who we are in Christ today and how that spills out into our lives and into our spiritual life. But I know full well that some of us come in today very distracted. Maybe you're thinking about the marathon or the traffic that is a result of the marathon. Others of you are thinking about your family, your friends, your loved ones, and many things. But as we go to the Lord in what traditionally is called the pastoral prayer, may our hearts be quiet before the Lord. And we say, teach us what you would have us to know today. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much that you are at work. I thank you so much that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you are our God, our King, our Creator, our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, our coming King, and that's just getting us started. I thank you that with you there is nothing that cannot be handled. I thank you that you don't give us more than we can handle. And I thank you that you know us down to the number of hairs on our head. And so this morning, Lord, I just ask that you would come, that you would speak in mighty ways, that your Holy Spirit would fill this room with your glory and that our hearts would be turned toward home today, not toward the things of this world that pass away, but toward you, our God and our King, who invites us into eternal relationship with him through his Son, Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, it is with that authority I pray for Shirley right now that you would heal her completely, that you would rejuvenate her, that you would strengthen her. There are few I have known that have the gift of evangelism like Shirley Chung, but she needs your healing touch right now. We pray for comfort for Edmund and the family. Lord, just give them the peace that passes all understanding in these scary times. We pray for many that have battled the flu or are still battling it. Lord, that you would just heal them immediately, that you would comfort them and that you would restore them quickly. And God, as we look into Philippians today, prepare our hearts for your words and not mine. In your name I pray, amen. Well, it is January 25th, 8th. You're a little ahead, whoever said the 8th. And it's about this time that we have to come to some harsh realities of life. So I'm going to ask you to do a little audience participation today. How many of you made at least one New Year's resolution? 
Come on, be, be bold. None of the rest of you made any New Year's resolutions or you just know what question is coming next. How many of you have still filled your New Year's resolution four weeks in? And the hands go down and we make the stark reality that the first three weeks going to the gym has now faded and McDonald's or Cafe de Coral has replaced it. We make the reality that all the time we were going to make for the new you has faded. And we make the realization that we've tried to do a lot of things in our own strength in 2015. But sadly, in our own strength, we fall hopelessly short. I'm still carrying some extra love here three weeks in. I'm still suffering with things that I shouldn't be as we start. But you know, the Apostle Paul was amazing when it came to resolution, to willpower, and to all things making commitment. I don't believe there are many people that have lived such an ordered life as a guy named Paul. Because as you read his writing, and as you get toward the later end of his life, his commitment for what truly mattered grew. He didn't look back and think he was wasting his life on this or that. He said, what does it matter? The important thing is that Christ is preached. He said, nothing matters but the glory of God. He would say time and again, I long, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. The centrality of Jesus, of the good news of Jesus Christ, just poured out of this guy, Paul, to where at about the same time the Philippian jailer came to know Jesus Christ, Paul was the guy in jail. And if I'm in jail, as I've said before, I'm probably not rejoicing in the Lord. I'm probably enjoying a time of poor Mike syndrome where I'm wallowing in self-pity. What were Paul and Silas doing? They were praising God, singing to him and praying. This is a man that everything in his life was about being like Jesus Christ. And you see, the more we turn our lives over to Jesus Christ, the more he changes our disposition. Maybe the resolution that we're to really look at in 2015 is the biblical one. That in every area of our life, our lives should proclaim that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Maybe that's our resolution. It's the biblical one. It's the right one. It's the one that we know God will empower us to succeed in his great work and not our own. And as we follow where he leads, Philippians gives us a great look at what a transformed life can look like and what a transformed church can become. AIC is a unique church in oh so many ways. Yes, we're about the same age as the church at Philippi was when Paul wrote to her. But we're also a church full of transition all the time. We have people that come in and then they go out. I have regrettably learned way too well how to say goodbye and move on. I don't enjoy saying goodbye to you. And I know some of you have been here a while and I want to keep you. But others move on to their home country, another assignment and whatnot, and that gets difficult for us. Others still move on for other reasons. Yet as a church body, how do we continue to grow forward even though we've got people coming in and out all the time? 
Well, the key is, what's our focus? Who's our focus? What are we doing this for? You know, in in Ephesians, Paul tells us that we are to equip the saints for every act of service. I am committed to that as your pastor. And the elders, the under shepherds are committed to giving you every resource to grow to be like Jesus Christ. I am so excited about Right Now Media, not because I like digital stuff. You know me. I'm, I like my tech. But this goes beyond that. This supersedes that. Because what have I done? I've had access to it for a couple extra weeks. One of the perks of my role. And you know what? I've gotten to let my kids learn about justification from a cartoon. Because when daddy talks about justification, the idea that God looks at us just as if we've never sinned, when I say that, their eyes gloss over and they're not looking at other things. When a cartoon says that they're excited and when the quiz comes, they can explain it back to me. Praise the Lord for the creativity of others that we can tap into. And I know some of you are also technologically minded. So has anyone already gotten the email? I know you've checked. See, one elder and, and one small group leader and another one. Great, good. Now, please don't log in right now. There are better preachers on there than me. I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm excited about it. But watch them later. Bear with me for right now. Okay? We long to be a church that is growing to be like Christ Jesus. And if we look at a picture of a church, Philippians is a great place to start. Were they perfect? No. We'll find out in a few weeks they had gossipy women. They had disunity in some strategic ways. They had opposition. They were threatened with death for their very lives. It wasn't easy to be a church in Philippi. It wasn't easy to follow the Lord. Yet they did so. So that when Paul thought of the church in Philippi, just listen to what he said. If your Bibles are with you or if your digital vice is open to you version or any other Bible version you look at, we're going to Philippians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 today. Paul, as you know, we've gotten through the first two weeks of this series. The first week, Paul reminded us what the church is, to be the church. The church is made up of servants of God that are called saints that is led by elders or overseers, or in our case, under shepherds and deacons. And as they lead, they equip us to the works of service of carrying the good news both near and far. And in so doing, we, the church, are called to live lives that are full of the grace and peace that God has promised us. How have we done on that? Has anybody found themselves repeating grace and peace to you? No, I have. And I know a couple of you have because you shared that with me, that you tried to think about the grace and peace of God in our lives and give that away to others. In fact, I want to tell you a story as we get started today of one of my friends. Uh, I have a dear friend that's uh, a a quasi-neighbor of mine, and we got together uh, for coffee and breakfast earlier this week. And... The, the short version is he led a, a company, uh, their Hong Kong office for a while, and one of his dear friends manipulated it in such a way that he lost his job. And this was done by one of his best friends. And my friend shared with me that what a challenge that was. It was hard for him. He was hurt. There was bitterness. All the things that are very natural when a friend hurts you. And you know what he told me? He said, but 
when I got really upset, I turned to the Bible and I read God's word and there was peace. Amen to that. There, thank you. There is peace that passes all understanding that we can't explain. I could have told him, hey, do this, 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 and this, but the Holy Spirit can show him. And that's what we're going to look at today. You see, God is always at work. We just need to open our eyes and let him take us where he wants to take us. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says this. Paul, imagine him sitting down. He probably didn't write it himself. He's got a scribe over to the side. And he says, let's go with this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with thanksgiving because of your partnership in the gospel. Now, let's pause. Let's back up. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to recite it again. But this time, I want you to imagine life at AIC. Okay? Get a visual picture of the room. And I want you to think to yourself this prayer. These are, this is a remembrance of what Paul is thinking of the church in Philippi. Do we have the same prayerful feelings toward our church at AIC? So instead of the church in Philippi, move it to a second to AIC. I thank my God every time I remember the saints today I see. In all my prayers for all of them, I pray with thanksgiving because of their partnership in the gospel. Just a couple of short phrases there, but can shape our very disposition when we think about it. And so let's break these down one by one. There's three basic points. You've got them in your message notes. Uh, and so we'll kind of walk our way through it first. My iPad's just going to, you know, not work today. Sorry about that. I'm going to be flexible and it's going to crash. <sighs> the first one we're told to do is be thankful. Now, let's pause for a minute. Thankfulness is all sorts of things. Most of us, if we call ourselves a Christian, are are okay with the idea of saying grace when we pray, right? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. Please bless it to my body. Amen. And you know what? We may thank God for the food, but are we sincere in that? Or are we just out of responsibility or whatever saying grace for the food? Have we thought about the very idea that all over the world people don't have anything to eat? and that God has miraculously and graciously provided food to put on our table. Now, I'm not going to lie. I've got a governing committee meeting this afternoon that I want to be really short because after that meeting, somebody is taking me to deliver a bunch of donuts to me. And I am really thankful for that provision. That's a gift. But in a very real sense, we see the injustice of people going hungry all the time. And so when I look at my meal, do I thank God for what he's provided while also asking him to guide how I might serve the poor, the needy, the widows, the orphans, and the impressed? Paul, a man that knew suffering like none of us, says time and again, in every letter he wrote, 
He told the people to be thankful, to rejoice always, to be joyful in all occasions, in season and out of season. Time and again, he said, be thankful. And what did he mean? Well, whom do we thank? Paul understood this abundantly well. And he would have likely been thinking of the Psalms. If you opened your Bibles and turned to Psalm 100, it would say this. And this is just one of the myriad Psalms. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And what do we do when we enter the presence of God? We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We thank our God. And listen to what it says. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You may have had just an awful week. And for that, I am truly sorry. But God is still God at the end of your awful week, is he not? I talked to somebody earlier that can't kick the flu and he didn't know what I was preaching on today and you know what he told me? He said, but I'm really thankful I've been sick. What? I'm thankful I've been sick? He is. And for that, we rejoice. He, for whatever reason, has seen God at work in his sickness. You may have lost your job. You may have an employer that treats you not nicely. Let's put it nicely. You may have family issues that you would say to me, Mike, you just don't understand. And I agree, I probably don't understand. But can I I can invite you to give thanks and praise him because he continues to be at work in all situations. Do we enter his gates with thanksgiving? Do we enter his courts with praise? What can we be thankful for? Oh, everything. Just think about it. We give thanks to God and what do we thank him for? How about we start with each other? I thank my God every time I remember you. You know what? Some of you have received notes from me and I love writing that at the bottom of my notes. I thank my God every time I remember you. And I mean it. I am thankful to be a part of the AIC family. God has used you to transform my life, to transform my family's lives and to help me see what it means to follow God in a very unique and amazing way. And it excites me to walk with you together. I love hearing your stories of God at work. It's amazing to be able to partner with Glow in the Dark Ministries as they go in and out of Kaiping and Jongsan and all these other places. It is amazing to know that we get to commission Lavina Lee in just about one month to go back into a difficult situation because she loves God, is sold out for him, and wants to go where he lives. Or he lives everywhere. To go where he's sent. And I give thanks for her partnership in the gospel. I give thanks for Joyce and Henri Samatu that are pioneers doing amazingly difficult, challenging work in Congo. And yet they've said, for this we have Jesus. And I give thanks for seeing the joy on their faces when their new car, their new tr- their tank was delivered and they can drive. And you know what they were most excited about? Taking the gospel to more people. I rejoice in that. I rejoice in the budget meeting I had yesterday. What? You liked the budget meeting? No, but I am so thankful that God has raised up people that are way smarter than me to help me understand and pray through where is God leading us as a church financially. 
Praise God for that. I praise the Lord for our elders and under shepherds that are passionately willing to lead us wherever God will lead and knowing that that means sacrifice. And they're taking us. And I praise God that we can get together on Sunday mornings and worship him corporately and say, what are we thankful for? You see, God's at work. I haven't talked about prison ministry, haven't mentioned AFF and what God is doing there. Praise the Lord for AFF. Haven't mentioned youth ministry and how 16 teenagers were in this room shooting each other and talking about their relationship with the Lord. Not with bullets, with Nerf guns. It's okay. Praise God. He is at work. Is he not? So what I'd like to do, this is weird for a sermon. I'm going to pause for 30 seconds. If you don't have a pen, just make a mental note. But I would like you to think of one thing you can thank God for today and just put it down on your sermon notes. Awkward silence, I understand. But are we disciplined enough to thank God right now? So do it. Thank God and put it down on paper. doesn't take long. I gave you a long list of things you could thank him for. Good. Hopefully you've got the idea and you will do more of this later on. Please understand my heart. This isn't Mike trying to convey his personality on you. I I have the joy of the Lord in my heart and I want to give it away to everybody. I really do. I love the life God has given me. And I can say that honestly. But I don't want to give you my life I want to give you the life God has created you for that we should be resolute in seeking the life that is thankful for who God is and the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that, in, in, uh, that invites us into eternal life made right with God. That excites me. And there's not a moment that goes by that we can't be thankful for Him. You see, we're thankful to God. We're not always thankful for our circumstances. I get that. I'm not asking you to be thankful for an abusive family member. I'm asking you to praise God for how he can work in that situation. I'm not asking you to be thankful for bankruptcy or the fact that you're in financial ruin. I'm asking you to thank God for the fact that he will provide and his promises are secure every day. I'm not asking you to thank God for the loss of your job. I'm asking you to thank God that he says, you can trust me, I've got you right where I want you. I'm not asking you to thank God for your spouse that doesn't understand you at all. I'm asking you to thank God that that spouse is God's creation and that he can transform in his perfect timing. I am asking you to thank God that he is God of any and every situation. All the time, God is good. His love is Amen. Now, not only are we to be thankful, but we're to follow guys that have been thankful before us. And I want to give you a picture of what that looks like. Not going to lie, I am not a fan of a particular Major League Baseball team in America. I love baseball. I grew up incessantly following the two teams that were in the state of New York where I lived as a kid. 
And so I followed all things New York Yankees and for a while the Mets when they were good. But there was this other guy that went a generation before. His name was Ernie. And Pastor Dan, this is for you. Ernie Banks was his name and he passed away yesterday. Ernie Banks, this guy, always looked like that. He always had a smile on his face. Now, I don't know whether Ernie Banks followed the Lord or not, but Ernie Banks was a thankful man because you know what he'd say just about every time he walked out onto the baseball field? Pitch, if you will. It's a great day for baseball. Let's play two. Now, that doesn't mean much to you, but what it meant was instead of just spending a little time on a game, let's play two games because it's so great to be out here doing what he loved. Now, if we translate that spiritually, it's a great day to follow where God leads. Let's keep going. Every day is a great day to go where God has laid out before us to go. There is never a bad day to follow Jesus Christ. Let me say that again because I want to be abundantly clear. There is never a bad day to follow Jesus Christ. Thank you. Ernie Banks felt every day was a good day to play baseball. I won't argue with him on that, except when it's cold. It's miserable to play baseball in the cold. But it is always a great day to follow Jesus and to be thankful for him. But you see, not only are we called to be thankful, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with thanksgiving. Paul was a man of prayer. One of those resolutions that we often talk about if I ask you at the beginning of every year what you're hoping for. Well, I really want to be better at doing my devotions and better at prayer. Well, praise the Lord for that. I'm going to cheer you on. And then I'm going to tell you, just do it. Make time, spend it with the Lord and grow to enjoy his presence as we slow down. Because often we think we've got to be an expert like Paul that would pray forever, it seemed like, based on what he wrote. But maybe God invites us to start by just being thankful to him for what he's done, who he is, and what he's created. And thankful that he's called us not to walk this journey alone, but he's given us brothers and sisters in Christ to go with us. And we can pray for them. But we learn a couple other things about prayer as we look on. What do we pray for? Well, it starts with, if you flip over a page, page and a half in your Bible to Philippians chapter four, we are told, but in a couple of things, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. No, it doesn't actually say a couple of things. It says in everything. Jesus told us to ask God for anything. Now, I am not, hear me well, The prosperity gospel is not of God. God is not in you getting a Ferrari unless he has a very specific reason for you and expanding his glory and his kingdom by driving a Ferrari. And if that is you, praise God, can I have a ride? But for the rest of us, that is not the kind of prayers that God invites us to. God invites us to prayers where we can tell him anything, but in so doing, we learn to trust and obey him. He shapes our disposition through prayer. Did you know that? The more time you spend communicating with somebody, you grow to be like them, don't you? If you've been married for more than, let's say, five years, did you realize you can have an entire conversation without your spouse? Well, wait, wait, no. Let me try that again. 
You can have an entire conversation with your spouse without using words. Just a look. uh, That also works in the Philippines. I know I've used that illustration before. But, you know, last night, Melissa said something. I went, huh. And I think that was the extent of our conversation and that was all that was necessary. Because we've spent so much time together and we've been doing life together for so long that we understand what's needed. And we get it. God invites us into a much richer relationship with him through prayer that says in everything we go to the Lord and we commit it to him. If you say, well, God doesn't care about my minute details and my little things or God doesn't understand my big things, to both of those, I invite you to read the word. If God doesn't understand your big things, how come guys like King David could pray to God to destroy and rip out the intestines of his enemies? David was being attacked, knew nowhere else to go but say, God, help me. And David didn't edit his prayers. (laughs) You know, sometimes we feel like we have to be all holy and pray God in a certain way. And God says, bring it. I can handle you and all of your baggage in everything with prayer and petition. Present your requests to God. But then what happens? With thanksgiving. You realize as we pour our hearts out to God, our disposition changes. We can be thankful because we're letting him take our burdens. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and what will I give you? Rest. That sounds so great. Resting in the Lord, knowing that he's got you. Sometimes we have to have hard conversations or deal with hard relationships. And that used to keep me up at night. And then I realized I could turn to the Lord in prayer and know that he's got me right where he wants me. Everything with prayer and petition, everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present a request to God. Do you turn to him with everything? Do we trust him with all? of our needs. If you don't, try it. Do it for a week. When I come back next Sunday, let's take a quiz. Did we take everything to the Lord in prayer this week? And then just go ahead and tell me how it went. Use Facebook, social media, whatever. Post it as it happens. But I promise you, if you even for a week commit to taking everything to the Lord in prayer, he will change your life. I stand on the promises of God and I know that to be true. Do it. One week between this day, right now, uh, 12 or 11, I can't tell time, 1154-ish, we made a covenant to take everything to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving for the next week. Just see what happens. Now, I'm not promising God will give you everything you want. I'm promising your heart will be torn toward Him, which is way better. Thank you. This side's listening. Whom do we pray to? This is obvious. We do not pray to Buddha. We do not pray to Allah. There is, more, there is not multiple gods. There is one true God. And he is God the Father in three persons. Also the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we worship him. And I know that's confusing. And we talked about the Trinity last week. Listen to it. We pray to the one true mighty and holy God. And he invites us to bring everything to him. Presenting our requests to him. Saying, Lord, 
I need you. We don't pray to some inanimate being. We pray to a God that is at work all around us. In Romans 1, we're told to look to the heavens, look to the hills, look to the creation. But we've made the mistake of worshiping the creation rather than the creator. We're invited in prayer to go back to the source. If we as Christ followers believe that God, through the word of Jesus, created everything in his perfect timing, we can't worship this world. We can't make an idol out of environmentalism, out of economics, out of sex, out of drugs, out of happiness. We worship the one true God and take everything to him, our creator, our sustainer, our king, and our savior. We take everything to God. He is the Lord. So when do we pray? Hmm. Well, listen to what we're told here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I love this. May this be our prayer every day. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for your life. I was a youth pastor for about a bunch of years. I don't remember. And in so doing, one of the questions always is they get to their grade 10, 11, 12 years. What does God want for my life? And without fail, they would get tired of one of my answers would always be, well, have you asked him? Have you taken it to the Lord in prayer? Because we already know what his will is. His will is to be joyful, to pray, to turn to him, submit to him. Prayer isn't just asking God for stuff. It's entering into a relationship where we listen to he, our holy God, and we submit to his life for us. It's a relationship. And in so doing, we can't help but give thanks for God. For this is his will for us in Christ Jesus. We have access to God through Jesus. God the Father through the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're even told, even if you don't know what to pray, come to God. And the Holy Spirit, who knows what you're thinking, will go to the Lord on your behalf. Jesus is our mediator. It's amazing how the great dance of the Trinity invites us into prayer that is relational, not, dear God, please help my toe. I know your toe is a real thing, and I don't want to minimize that. But did you notice what Paul prays for in the church of Philippi has nothing to do with their physical condition? It has to do with their physical hearts, their spiritual life. Paul asks God to transform a church to be like Christ. And he's going to keep with that theme throughout the rest of his letter to the church in Philippi. When should we pray? Always. What should we pray? That God would have his way with us. That we would be submissive in joy and in thanksgiving and we would turn it all to him and say, here I am. Send me. But there's one more thing in this in this greeting that Paul gets as he's remembering the church in Philippi. And it's interesting because he says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I pray with thanksgiving because of something. Usually you do give thanks for things. I give thanks because I've got food on the table. 
I give thanks because I've got an amazing family. I give thanks because of this and that. But what does Paul thank God for? His church. I thank God for your, the church in Philippi's, partnership in the gospel. Oops. I I got ahead of myself there. You see, Paul invites us to realize that one of the great joys in following Jesus is we do it together. We partner in the work. You have all been called to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth by making disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And some of you say, well, Mike, I cannot physically go to Zimbabwe or to Peru, South America, or to wherever else God might send. To which I would say, well, how could you use the resources and the giftings God has given you to be partner in the gospel right here at AIC? Some of you need to be sent and surrender to the Lord to go where he's inviting you to go. For Melissa and I, that was Hong Kong. For some of you, hey, guess what? America needs missionaries, you willing? I wish I was joking. America needs missionaries, so does Canada. And so does Europe. And so does New Zealand and Australia and Russia and all of Africa and everywhere. You get the idea that God's people need to be everywhere making disciples of all nations, but we can't do it on our own. One of the realities of life at AIC is I, as your pastor, want to just give away as much as I can to support the ministry of God all over the world. But I am bound by something told you about it earlier. It's called that thing, the budget. If you look at the back page of your bulletin, you'll realize for the second straight year, we are significantly under budget. I cannot fulfill the mission of the church that this church has approved and that you've called me to oversee without your giving. It's a simple reality. We're almost $300,000 in the hole right now. We have prayed and we have resourced our church in such a way that we feel we are doing all we can to equip the saints for the acts of God that we are called to. But unfortunately, when we made this commitment, when we made this budget last year, our church members rightly, I believe, stepped out in faith and said, we'll go get it. Now, this isn't a a plea for Mike saying, give us more money. If you get that, you're missing the point. This is an invitation to do what God has invited us to. You see, one of the things that Paul loved to do was thank the churches that supported him in church planting ministries all over the world. In the church in Philippi, as much as they were struggling and being persecuted, on two separate occasions gave sacrificially for the sake of the kingdom to help the Jews at one point and the Greeks at another to help them with the gospel mission before them. And Paul alludes to the simple fact that without the support and partnership of the church in Philippi, the work couldn't have continued. Because ministry, unfortunately, costs money. One of the privileges I get to be a part of is providing pastoral care to missionaries in China. If we don't give, I can't go help them and let them know that we love them and are so thankful for the work they're doing. There is a great church planting work happening in the Philippines. If we're not giving, we have to tell them, you're on your own, we'll pray with you. 
And prayer is the most important thing to do anyway. Don't misunderstand me. But giving allows us to use the blessed resources God has given for the sake of his kingdom near and far. Giving allows us to offer the marriage course free of charge and let God transform marriages. Giving allows us to equip you as disciples by having someone focus solely on disciple making so that we can give you every resource to be ready for the day God has for you. In the churches we read about, the churches that were out there making a difference in the world, gave lovingly and excitedly because they were partners in the gospel. And not only that, they were partners with the saints in Philippi, we're told, to all the believers that were of one heart and one mind. You go back to Acts chapter 4. And when the Holy Spirit came on them, what did they do? They didn't sit back counting all their money and all their stuff and say, I got more than you. What did they do? The believers were of one heart and of one mind and sold all they had and gave it to the poor and continued the work of blessing the church and their numbers were increased daily. Let me say that again because I get excited. You see, they so caught the vision of stewardship being about the glory of God and it all being his anyway that they couldn't help but give abundantly out of what God had given them. And so they excitedly said, here, church, take it. And out of that comes Acts chapter 6, where the resources were building up and they needed deacons to help them know where to use it and to give it away. The church and her resources are to be about the glory of God through serving the city and making his name known both near and far. So when I talk about giving, I talk about it with that perspective. I can't wait to give more. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. And that's what the church in Acts chapter 6 was all about. In Acts chapter 4, which, sorry, the the reference there is 4, not 6. All of the saints were together seeking the glory of God. They were active. The other thing about it is for the gospel to be spread... Think about this. This is a logical conclusion if you're a logical kind of person. For the gospel to be spread, something has to be done. You can't just give money to a problem and hope it goes away, can you? No. Someone has to use those resources and do something with it, correct? When we are told in the beginning of the early church, the acts of the early church, Acts 1 through about 7 or 8, not only did people sell all they have and gave it to those in need and for the goodness of God blessing through church planting efforts. But not only that, but people are obviously telling other people about Jesus Christ. Because Paul, later on, thanks the church in Philippi for their partnership in the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news of Jesus Christ for all who would believe and be saved and enter into an eternal relationship with God our Father through our Son empowered by the Holy Spirit. I know I speak quickly but it's good news. A partner is not someone that just says, you do it, are they? No. I'm using a couple of sports analogies this week and I apologize, this will be the last one. But I grew up playing tennis, you all know that. And for a lot of years, because I played on a strong team, my role was to play what's called doubles. You put two people on a small court. Now, when you don't know how the game works, 
you know what happens a lot? You run into each other and you miss a lot of balls because you're going for the same thing instead of playing as one, as a unit, as a team, as partners. But all of a sudden, over time, you begin to realize that there's like this magical invisible string that connects you. And so if one moves forward, the other drops back. If one moves this way, the other shifts. And it's this wonderful dance of tennis. It's quite awesome, I think. You probably don't. Watch the Australian Open. It's amazing. It's Asia's tournament. But anyway, when you play great doubles, you're moving in sync. And when you're moving in sync, you're winning points because you're together. In the same way, we as Christ followers, when we're moving in sync, when we're telling each other about Jesus and then inviting others into the fold, more and more people are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ because we're doing it together and not just hoping Pastor Michael do it. I would love to do it and I will do it to the best of my ability. But if we're all doing it, we have expanded ourselves by over 200 just by that. If each of us commit to partnering in the gospel. If I gave all I had to the poor, that would not do nearly as well as if you simply tithed. I'm going to say that again really slowly because it's an invitation. I could give all I had to the poor and I would love to do that. And Melissa and I are in the process of drastically simplifying our life so we can give away more. I don't say that to brag. I say that to say, hold us accountable. But... Our resources aren't such that if everyone here simply went back to God's word and started with, let's say, 10%, the model that was used throughout church history in the Old Testament, and we said, I'm just going to tithe out of joy because I want God's work to continue near and far, that would make far more difference of a kingdom than one person giving all they had. Now, if that one person is Warren Buffett, that's different but we do not have Warren Buffett in our church. We have a group of saints that can together partner for the gospel that can take him to the ends of the earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. Will we be a church that is so thankful, that is so committed to prayer that we can't help but join together, giving our resources, our hard-earned money to partner with one another and say, let's go get them. Let's go finish the work that God has started because this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come and we will enjoy eternity with God and I cannot wait. Will you join with me in being thankful and being prayerful and letting God change our disposition to one of partnership that says, I'm all yours, God. Let's go get them together. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that is obedient to the task you have given us. That your will for us to be full of joy, for us to be full of thanks and full of prayer would lead to passing your grace and peace to the ends of the earth. I pray that we would see disciples made in China, that we would see disciples made upstairs in room 213, that we would see disciples made in Congo, in America, in the Philippines, in New Zealand, in South Africa, in Australia, in Europe, and everywhere in between. Lord, may we be thankful because we see you at work. May we commit everything we do to prayer 
And may we give out of a sense of partnership in the good news of Jesus Christ that means our time is yours, our resources are yours, our lives are yours. Transform us that we might be like Christ. In this we pray, thankfully. Amen. Please stand with us.